You've seen Chef Brian Duffy on Spike TV's Bar Rescue, NBC's Today Show, and opening bars and restaurants all over the world. Now he's sharing his stories, his friends, and some tips of the trade he's learned along the way. Prepare yourself to get Duffified. This is Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. Yo ho, what do you say, hey hey, on a Friday? My name is Brian Duffy and you are listening to Duffified Live with the Radio Influence Boys. So, I'm going to start this off really simple. I just got an article sent to me a couple of minutes ago. NBCnews.com. Tyson Foods chairman warns the food supply chain is breaking. In recent weeks, the poultry producers temporarily uh, suspended operations at plants across the country. The board chairman of Tyson Foods is warning that millions of pounds of meat will disappear from the national food supply chain as the coronavirus outbreak forces food processing plants to shudder. The food supply chain is breaking, John Tyson wrote in a full-page advertisement published Sunday in the New York Times, the Washington Post, and oddly enough, I burped the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Okay. There's going to be a limited supply of our products available in grocery stores until we're able to reopen our facilities that are currently closed. So, guys, this is what we're talking about. This is some of the stuff that um, is really an aftermath of where we are. We had to shut the country down. We had to stop uh, kind of the entire situation to get a grasp on this. And as we all know, the words that we've heard rung through our brains to flatten the curve. But what's going to happen next year? We're not producing as much meat now. We're not producing as much dairy. Dairy farmers are throwing, they're dumping milk, you know, because of the fact that 80% of restaurants are closed. We have a 20% unemployment rate right now. We got a big, big deal on our hands. We've got to find a solution because otherwise, when this whole thing is over, which we don't even know how long that's going to last, when this is all over, how much food are we all going to be able to share? 80% of restaurants that are closed right now assume that 30% of the total number of restaurants are going to close permanently. That leaves us with 70% of the restaurant and hospitality population. And I'm just talking about restaurants. I'm not even talking about your nursing homes, your hospitals, your cafeterias, and all the other stuff. I'm just talking about the restaurants. We are all going to be trying to get the same food. So we need to find a solution to this. I don't even know what the answer is. I just know that I'm starting to see the kind of, I, 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 I want to say the benefit in one way where uh, the, the production of what we had prior to all of this, they're now trying to get rid of. You know, that's why we're doing a lot with donations to hospitals, and that's why we're doing a lot with donations to hospitality outlets. You know, I have food service purveyors calling me and being like, Bri, hey, man, you got to take a look at this list. We're ready to give you food so that you can start to feed some of these people. So we need to find out what it is that we can do. And I don't have that answer right now, but I want to put that out there. And if anybody wants to have a conversation or a discussion about it, you know where to find me. I'm super simple to find. Chef Bride Duff on Instagram and Twitter and then Facebook. Send me a message. I don't care. Whatever it is, you got my number? Hit me up, boys and girls. But 
I just wanted to bring that to the attention. I wanted to have that conversation real fast just to get it out there. Um, you know, I'm seeing uh, an increase in sales in some of the restaurants that are out there doing to go right now, uh, which is a great thing, you know, because a lot of people are in that case, we're not laying people off. Uh, we're able to pay the bills that we have, whether it be rent and food bills and stuff like that. But we need to, you know, we really need to, to pay attention to what's going on. Um, so for me, uh, that is a lot of research. I'm doing a lot of research and trying to find some stuff out of what to do. I don't have answers for you yet, but I'm doing the research on it. I'll have answers in the next couple of weeks. Once I get, uh, dig a little bit deeper into really the medical aspect of this, um, the financial aspect of it is going to follow suit. We know the trouble we're in right now, but really the medical aspect, because it's the medical side that really truly matters right now. Um, you know, I, I know we all want to get out. I know we want to start going back to normal, uh, but we got to find out really what the the true ramifications of all of this are. You know, uh, uh, China put something out last week that was a diagram talking about how when they opened restaurants, that one person in the restaurant got sick and the air conditioning ended up carrying it through the rest of the restaurant because it's an airborne situation. You know, that's why they want you to wear the mask. That's why they want you to wear gloves. You're not supposed to touch your face. You're not, you know, it's a constant washing of the hands, all that stuff. So we're not transmitting it across the board. But what's going to happen when I sit into a restaurant and I eat uh, something that's a little bit spicy and I got to cough it, you know, <coughs> whoo, that was spicy. Just the word spicy creates, you know, droplets that are coming out of my mouth. So how am I going to eat with a mask on? we got a lot of questions that we don't have answers to yet, and we've got to be patient until we can get them. So, look, chill out for a little bit longer. I think the support that you guys are all given is unbelievable to the hospitality industry, to the first responders, to the hospital workers, everything. Um, we need a little bit more time to figure this out. I don't agree with the full-on opening of restaurants right now. I think it's a mistake. It's the most social, other than a gym, that we're all getting into. You know, I mean, the gym, you're really sharing sweat and you're working out and you're putting sweat on things and, you know, you're not cleaning up your walk, your treadmill as you thought you would. You know, restaurants are a very close knit world where we're all standing. You know, we always talk about how, how deep we can get at the bar. It's one of the things that we talk about. So don't rush it. Let's get let's 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 work through it first and then we can get back to normal. Uh, I'm super excited about this week's episode. Um, this is a friend of mine. This is somebody who I've looked up to and I've admired. Uh, and then I met uh, her partner, Billy. And I look up to both of them, and I admire both of them. Um, I'm a big fan of theirs. I love what they do, their creativity, their relationship, their business mind. I like what they do. Uh, so, boys and girls, do me a favor, and uh, let's get ready to rock and roll. we got Chef Jen Carroll and Billy Riddle on the show. Well, good morning, Jen and Billy. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Love it. In tandem, I love it even more. It's so good <laughs> to have back. you guys on. What's going on over there? Well, you know, you just know, hanging just out. Hanging out at home. Holy shit. <laughs> with the rest of the world. Playing with our rabbits, making some food. Yeah, lots, have, lots of videos. Go ahead. You guys have rabbits? Yeah, we got, well, right now we have three. Um, their names are uh, Pickle, Turkey, and Joan. Little Joni. <laughs> Little Joni. So she's why is she's why, do we, why do we have two with two as food and one not? 
Uh, I don't know. Well, we had five to st- well, actually, it's like seven to start. Yeah. It all happens with two, right? Then you get more. <laughs> exactly. But, Unless you're a chef, then you have two, you have a couple more, and then you decrease a little bit. Uh, so <laughs> Sorry. So, sadly, two passed away recently. We gave uh, the other two away to some friends like a while ago, and then we're stuck with the three. Uh, but pickle and turkey, I, I was calling the turkey Hercules for some time, and Jen's yeah. like, he looks more like a turkey. I don't know. We just like turkey and I don't know. Well, hey, my dog's name is Honey Onion. Oh, nice. (laughs) So it's Honey O'Duffy. Nice. (laughs) And that was my daughter's. My daughter's named her. I had nothing to do with it. So, yeah. Uh, Hey, guys, why don't you do me a favor real quick? Why don't you tell us who you are, what you guys do, and how we can get in contact with you? Sure. So... I am Chef Jen Carroll, and Billy Riddle is my partner. We are co-executive chefs of Spice Finch, which is our modern Mediterranean restaurant in Philadelphia. And we also own a culinary catering experience company called Carroll Couture Cuisine. And you can, you know, find us by going to eatccc.com or spicefinchphilly.com. Follow us on Instagram at Chef Jen Carroll or Chef Billy Riddle, and you can find out everything and anything about us through those channels. But good job, Jen. Yeah, thanks. I've been cooking. <laughs> I like for the support. Yeah, I've been cooking for about 20, 25 years. Billy, you're following closely behind on that. Closely behind, yes. And then uh, I've been I've cooked all over the place: Philly, DC. San Francisco, New York. Uh, yeah, your pedigree is much larger than mine. Bermuda, St. <laughs> Thomas. I've been all over the place. Yeah. And uh, Billy's been stuck in Fishtown. Yeah. Uh, well, I grew up in Rising Sun, uh, Maryland, a very small town. And I was like, I needed to get out. So I moved to Philadelphia and I went to culinary school. Uh, I went to the Art Institute of Philadelphia. Cool. And then I. Jen, where, where did you go? I went to the restaurant school at Walnut Hill College. Did, when did you graduate from t- from there? She didn't. Oh my God, you didn't. No. Wow. This is a good. This is a good story. This is a, this is a good story. Yeah. Well, I've got one to boot. That means that I may. I almost didn't graduate, but I want to hear yours. Well, I I was a very good student, but I was also working three jobs, and <laughs> you know, I was also young and dumb. So, was besides working three jobs and going to school, I was having a really good time, and I. <laughs> was late for a couple too many of my pastry classes and I got locked out. And so instead of getting the 96 that I had in the class, they failed me. And they told me that I had to pay to take the class over again. And I said, no, thank you. And then, you can curse as much as you want on this show. I'm like, I'm like, I was about to say that. And I'm like, I'm like, do it. You can do it. You can go anywhere you want on this show. Yeah, fun. <laughs> But then recently, apparently she's graduated. Yeah. Oh, honorary degree. That, that's what I said. They asked me to come back yeah. and give like the commencement speech. And I said, I would love to if you give me an honorary degree. And then it's always a little hemming and hawing. And then they come back and ask me like two years later. And I'm like, same deal. Yeah, hasn't <laughs> changed. I give you my degree and I'll be happy to do anything you want. It's so funny. So... I had uh, I did the same thing as you did. I worked at the Four Seasons in the morning. I worked at San Marco, which was I, I don't I know I know Jen, you're from Philly. It was an Italian restaurant huh? on City Line Avenue. Oh yeah. 
And I, so I worked at San Mar, I worked at the Four Seasons in the morning with Tony Clark, Jean Marie Lacroix, Marty Hammond, all those yep. guys. Yeah. And that's then, a tough chef crew right there. Fuck. Tony Clark used to throw shallots at my head. Oh, wow. I'd be like, that's not any shallot. That's a four season shallot. And by the way, you guys both know this was before they had peeled shallots. These oh, yeah. were 50 okay. pound bags of fucking shallots that I had to peel all goddamn day. Uh-uh. No, uh-huh. thanks. Yeah. And uh, uh, so I worked there and then I bounced at a bar at night. So from 10 o'clock until four o'clock in the morning, I bounced at a bar. I would then go to school. Then I would go to the four seasons and then I would go to San Marco. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, this was all the while while all the other students were starting a softball team. Oh, cool. (laughs) Just in their free time. By the way, my graduating class, there are two of us that are actually still in the industry. Wow. That's crazy, right? (laughs) Softball team won that championship, though. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) But, um. Yeah, so I uh, I left to go. I did my internship and my externship at the same time. And so during the externship time, I wasn't turning hours in. And I had left to go to Florida to interview for my job that I was going to do when I graduated school. So I had called up to Trevisani, yeah. and who happens to be a good friend now, and said, hey, I'm just trying to find out what's going on. I never got any of my grades for last semester. And he said, we just figured you dropped out. Oh, nice. Uh-huh. Yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> so we don't have anything for you. So I raised a stink, and then they finally allowed me to graduate. But uh, and then I ended up being on the board. I ended up doing dinners there and speaking there. So it's kind of funny how they're like, fuck you while you're there. But when you leave, they can't wait for you to come back. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, College school is a little different than actually a a, a university. It's a a little sketchier, a little bit more sketchy, although who I feel bad for students right now. Oh, I really do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, my daughter's a freshman and she just her entire freshman college experience was just, you know, cut. And she misses it. She came up last night at one o'clock in the morning just to talk to me about how much she missed being at school right now. It sucks mm-hmm. for her. Oh, so. yeah. Um, all right. So, Billy, you were down in Maryland and you started cooking. You came up. Then you were like, fuck this. I'm out. I'm coming up to Philly. Exactly. Yeah. So I went to Philly, went to school. Uh, I, then I got into maybe in touch with some people you may know. I worked at La Croix. Like I worked okay. with John Marinelli, who worked banquets at the hotel. He worked with Marty and I guess he was like at the four seasons prior. Um, Jean Marie brought him over uh, to run banquets and I didn't work directly with uh, chef Lacroix, but we have in, in time we've known, we know each other, but he knows me as the, uh, as a cabinet maker or a wood maker (laughs) because what happened was one day he, he strolls in, you know, he's like the Sean Connery of the kitchen. It's unbelievable. And the presence that he holds. Oh, God, right. so awesome. And by not saying anything. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and like, you just want to talk to him because he's like, he's sweet. He's humble. Yeah. He's res- like, mm-hmm. I respect him. And one day he's like, he just approaches me versus me approaching him. And he goes, excuse me, are, are you the one who's been taking the wine boxes downstairs? And I go, uh, yeah. He's like, okay, what are you doing with them? I go, me and my dad are making furniture out of them. He goes, interesting very interesting and i showed him a picture basically made a coffee table because i was really poor didn't have like furniture and my dad makes a lot of stuff by hand and so we turned the boxes into bases and put this really beautiful piece of wood on top which i'm staring at right now Mm -hmm. and uh it 
he's like, he approaches me every time I see him. Like, it's like, so how's the furniture business going? Yes. Yeah, oh, geez. Still, still to this day, like we'll be at an event together and he, he remembers and recognizes Billy every single time, which is truly amazing because of it all is. people that he's met oh, yeah. his whole career. Like that's pretty, that says a lot about him. So it made me start thinking I should go into the, the wood, the wood making business to a degree. <laughs> but I said, you know what? We'll, we'll pump that on the brakes. We'll do that later. I'm like, <laughs> He, but, uh, I, I always, every time I see him, I walk over and I, I introduce myself and I say, chef, my name is Brian Duffy. I used to, and he kind of stops me at the, I used to part. And he's like, I know who you are. Like, <laughs> I remember you, which yeah. was to me the first time that he said that he remembered me. I just thought that was super cool. Cause I was like, I was an apprentice. I worked for free. You know, I was super low key while I worked there because I mean, look, I'm in the four seasons kitchen, man. Right. I mean, yeah. They had signs on the walls that said work clean and work quiet. Yeah. Like yeah. that's the way that it was there. So, but yeah, he's a super cool dude. Very nice man. So nice. So yeah. nice. But, uh, I worked, I worked with that company for, sorry, the hotel for like five years and then moved on to open restaurants with my friend, uh, in Queens village and then kind of brought me, I don't want to, going to detail too much, but like then kind of like got brought to Jen and Jen and I have been like kind of working together ever since. So very yeah. nice. Been very very nice. And, very that, wonderful. and that Jen, so you grew up in Mayfair up in, in Somerton. So a little bit, oh, okay. a little bit further, a little bit further up North. <laughs> right. So like Byberry and Bustleton. So all the way up 95, but yeah, still the Northeast. Yeah. Which was a wild, I, like I had a restaurant on Rising Sun in Levick oh, in yeah. 1998 and 99, I think. Uh-huh. So like right before things got pretty weird over in Lawncrest. Yeah. Because shit's it's, weird over there now. It's changed a lot. I mean, yeah. just like my, my parents still live in the neighborhood that I grew up in and there's still a lot of the same people there, but it's definitely it's definitely different than what it used to be. One of the things I do love about it, though, is there's been such a huge influx. We've always had a really good like Russian and like Ukrainian and uh, Eastern like European community up in the Northeast, but now it's even so much more. And so there's so many new like grocery stores and yeah. small shops and boutiques that like Billy and I go shopping oh. in all the time. Like he refused to go. Like I They're would always so be like, awesome. I want to go to this one grocery store and he'd be like, oh, we don't need to go in there. And the first time we went in just like net cost, which I is, go there every time. Now. He's like obsessed with it. He's like, can we go to net cost? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it is, it's, it's like, sorry. So it's like going to Philadelphia the first time for me, it was like a culture shock. Like I came from a town that had like one traffic light. That's why I wanted to move to Philly It's because I wanted to embrace culture, cuisine, everything. Uh, Cause I never got that in my childhood. So when I walked, like when I walked into the the market on 11th and Washington for the first time, I'm getting the the coolest like Chinese ingredients. I'm like, sure, it smells like fish, and I'm like, that was cool to me. I as a, as like an aspiring chef, cook, whatever I was at the time, I was like, this is awesome. Uh, as most people who are passionate about food mm-hmm. like kind of follow, and the same, it kind of pulled me back to that same mindset when I walked into this Russian grocery store. I'm like. This is awesome. The music's Russian. Everyone's talking in Russian. When you check out, they're like, they say like, hello in Russian first. And if you do not respond with like, 
it back. They're like, oh, hello. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, cool. it changes. Sure. But yeah, like caviar mountains, like, it, like, hold on. The caviar next to the pastry counter is pretty cool. And the dry fish and all the oh, pickles yeah. and the chocolates. I, I mean, it's just, it's, I, I love it. The amount of juices. Like, and the homemade food that they have, like in there. Like, <laughs> it's, and the like, proteins, they have, they have Dartanian product there. I never see that acne. Yeah. So like, this is cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of the market on 11th in Washington. Huge fan. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, because it's lit- it's an experience. I mean, if anybody's, you know, if you if you have an opportunity for anybody who's out there to walk into a true Asian market, I don't mean like a convenience store type thing. Mm-hmm. I'm talking like a true Asian market. In the back, they've got live frogs, they've got live crabs, they've got live lobsters and fish and the whole nine yards that you can actually walk back and pick up and take home. Um, you know, I mean, in fact, it even says over the frog tank that these frogs are for human consumption, not to be used as pets. Oh yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, I mean, they're, there's, they're, they're pretty straightforward down there, but the best part is if you spend 40 bucks, you get a bag of rice. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's so true. Yeah. And there's good food there too. And there's great food in there. They've got all the Pekin ducks hanging in the, uh, in the front corner. Uh huh. Oh, man, I'm getting hungry right now. No. And for all all cooks out there getting, like, some, like, cheap spoons, you can go to get cheap spoons, like, cheap bowls for your house. Like, it's it's a good spot to go to. Mm -hmm. Well, they also sell the Richards there, the uh, the propane or the butane burners. Oh, yeah. You can buy from U.S. food for 60 bucks, or you can grab one there for $19.99. Yep. Always. The Asian markets always have the cheaper kitchen equipment and tools that we need. And I learned that really quick as a young, poor cook coming up. Yeah. They might not last as long, but Hey, they'll do the job. Yeah. But well, exactly. And I may also think there's kind of, you know, I mean, I remember I used to have a restaurant on rising, like I said, rising sun and Levick. And there was, there used to be an Asian market on rising sun and Adams. That was actually an entire Asian community. So you would go in and there was, you know, inside of there was the Asian market. And then there was the, you know, the, the Asian accountant, the Asian attorney, uh-huh. you know, like everything that you needed was all within this one little community. And I used to go up there and I would run my menus daily off a product that I was buying out of there. And as a young chef, it was awesome because the creativity that I then brought back to the restaurant based on the products that I was purchasing there was, was inspiring to me. For me, it was a blast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, people should take advantage of all of the culture and ethnicity, like all the ethnic markets, and really go in and explore and take an ingredient home that you don't know about and have fun with it. Like Billy and I just went into this Ethiopian or Iranian market. Oh, yeah, it was great. uh, Just recently. And we were talking to like one of the guys that was like cooking, and we, we ended up like sitting in there for like two hours talking to... The chef uh, running a little like it, counter and like just, learning about new ingredients. It was really, it's just awesome. I think it's just awesome like to have like the, the, the experience. It's like the culture experience. You're, like you're, you're in their space. You're in their world for a moment and they want to show you, they want to guide you. And like for a person that you're purchasing food from, who's like super open to letting you try food. Like I bought a shawarma and he's, I said, oh, this, the sandwich is so great. From that conversation led to, hey, do you want to try this cuckoo? And I'm like, what the heck's a cuckoo? And like, it was kind of like a herb frittata. And I was like, this is delicious. But that kind of like 
conversation would have never happened somewhere else as much as it happened there. Oh, I start talking about the pickles and the sauces oh, yeah. and like how they make their, how they make their merguez. And then they had all these different like chickpeas of like roasted chickpeas. Oh, it's like, so cool. Like green I've, chickpeas, like yeah. all these chickpeas that we've never even seen before. I'm like, Oh, this is smart. And we're like, for them, I'm, it's probably normal too. Yeah. Um, but like, it's not often I see a whole bunch of watermelon seeds, uh, sitting around that they cost a lot of money, but, nutritionally they are like listed as you know very valuable for consumption i'm like i don't see this as a store this is kind of really cool to understand like what why it's here it has a purpose it allows me to educate myself more so how are you guys how long have you guys been together oh billy answer that question i'm gonna say for a long time <laughs> seven seven and a half years good job billy yeah seven nice job <laughs> <laughs> and you win for the day Thank uh you. So now how does it work with you guys within the restaurant? I mean, because obviously we all know like the idea of, of chefs and, and some of our temperaments and, and some of the, the kind of, you know, conceited nature, I guess, in a way that we work, you know, especially when it comes to that creativity. I mean, how are you guys kind of putting that together to work it in a cohesive way? You want to tackle this one? Yeah, I got it. So, you know, we, we, Jen's like, I'm the boss. That's why. (laughs) Number one, she is the boss. Yes. <laughs> See, and that's why it works. <laughs> um, I think we just when we start working together, we clearly could see like our, we divided our roles, and we are just very respectful of each of our roles. And I do more of like the the managing side, and and you know the training and the teaching, and Billy, and like the business part of it, and the you know the front facing side of it with like PR and press just because I I'm stronger in that I've been doing it for a long really long time but Billy is really really super creative and it gets is is like so passionate about food and coming up with recipes and goes like full like deep dive into R&D that it really benefits and he's stronger in that than I am. And, you know, some people are like, how can you say that? Like if you're a chef and I'm like, well, it's true. And it's okay to say that. Like, I know how good he is and that's awesome that I have that. And we work together and we try different things and yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, in order for us to be strong, we both need to, you know, figure out what we're both good at. Uh, I'm good at some things. I'm comfortable with that and confident. Uh, the things that she's good at, I am very vocal and I'm, I'm like, listen, I'm not good on camera. And she's like, well, this is how we can get you better. Um, so right, it's a lot right. of learning from each other, which mm-hmm. is, which is really, uh, fun. It's scary, but it's, it's fun. But yeah, I mean, like you were talking about ego and it's, it's really taking the ego out of it. I think, you know, I, I for me, I, I always want to share what I'm doing and I always want to teach others and I always want to be around things. And I always like, it's, it's never really been about me and like what my menu is and what I want to do. It's, it's really has been like more about the guest and just trying to like teach and learn from that. So I guess that's also why it works because I I don't have, it's like, Hey, look at me. Like I'm always one to be like, Oh no, like so-and-so like John, like figured out how to do this. It's his recipe. Like if it was like one of my past sous chefs or something like that, like I always like giving credit where credit is due. And I, and I I feel like that culture like really helps, helps it to be like a better environment and build loyalty and family and community, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it's hard. 
Turn off, though. <laughs> what did you say? It's hard to what? It's hard to turn off. Yeah. Uh, you kind of have to, like, over time, I mean, you have to kind of reflect a lot more. One thing that I think I've learned more from my whole, like, um, culinary growing up is, like, you really have to reflect on things. I know you can drive real hard and, like, try to get stuff done. But if you don't take a moment to sit down and, like, look from the outside in, you're really going to hurt yourself. Um, because if you don't, you just, you can have all of, uh, all of the fame fortune in the world, but sometimes you lose and get lost in the, in the sauce. But I think, I think at this point right now, I mean, I think we've seen such this unbelievable turn within the industry where we don't see as much of that ego driven, you know, you don't hear about the chefs just yelling and screaming anymore. Oh yeah, like no. that was one of those things that we had for years. It's what we were, you know, I, look, I worked at the four seasons. Yeah. There was no yelling and screaming with the exception of Tony Clark throwing fucking shallots at the back of my head, <laughs> who I still have a tremendous amount of respect for him across the board. Yeah. yeah. But, but I mean, I remember leaving the four seasons and ending up at a kitchen in Key Largo, Florida at this fine dining restaurant with one of the biggest douchebags that I've ever come in contact with. Yeah. You know, who, who was a guy who would burn me with pots and pans and throw potatoes at servers and, you know, constantly be throwing plates on the ground and all that stuff. And yeah. I'm like, you know, I mean, it was a culture shock to me at yeah. that point. But I, I've seen so much of that disappear into where we are now, where it's it is. It's almost like we're all kind of sharing information, sharing the secrets of what it is that we do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think it makes us all better and it makes us stronger in order to share and to collaborate. And I think for so many years, like when, when I was coming up, yeah, I mean, for me, it was normal to get like screamed at and to get called every single name except for my own, (laughs) (laughs) you you know, there were not nice names and you know, that culture was normal and it, I knew what I was getting into, but I'm so glad that it is changing. And I love the whole collaboration fact of, you know, chefs working together and doing dinners together and sharing recipes and uh, having fun. It's just so much more fun than, you know, trying to be afraid that someone's going to steal your recipe or that they're copying off of you. Well, guess what? Pretty much everything's been done already. And you're not really reinventing anything. Yeah. Yeah. Through the years I've had like, I, you know, I always have culinary students that have worked for me or, um, you know, apprentices or sous chefs or stuff like that. And they end up going into these restaurants and they would always say to me like, hey, the owner wants me to give him all my recipes. Like I created these recipes. I don't want to give them up. And I say, you know, hey, you're making whatever you're making mayonnaise today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Guess what? I just added, you know a teaspoon and a quarter of salt as opposed to your teaspoon. It's now my fucking recipe. Get over it and just give them up. You know, like, like there's, there's so many, that whole mentality is really just gone now because I do, I think we all share so much. Yeah. Well, I mean like working at La Croix, uh, it was, it's kind of similar when we were talk to like our pastry department, they held like so much of their information so close and like so tightly knit. I'm like, why don't you share it? Cause like, I can't do this stuff without like, <laughs> the technique. Like even if you gave me the recipe, I can't do it. Like, right. so it's interesting to see the progression because I feel the same. I think what, you know, allowed me as a, as from the culinary side of things to like be more, um, mag- magnetized to Jen was like that kind of 
camaraderie, that kind of like emphasis on community. Because where I came from, it wasn't. It was like a. It was, I don't want to say broy, but it was like a more more of a club. And oh yeah, and like that's good and all, but like I wanted more as 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 a person learning. I wanted more for myself and to embrace that community more. But I just didn't know how to. Like I, yeah. I wanted to join the Boy Scouts, but I never did it. Yeah. Well, and that is that that is kind of the old boys brigade in that yeah. Lacroix. Not 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 from his from his world. Yeah, yeah. But from the underlying, you know, from the from the exec who's in there and the chef de cuisine and and all of that world, it really was. I mean, who was who was the original guy over there? Matt Levin. Matt Levin, and then he had his um his CDC Jason Chikonsky takeover. Who would who right. my mentor for oh, for a long time? Yeah. That's right. I forgot. Yeah, I did an event with Matt years ago, and I honest, and then I never saw him again. I know he opened up Ad Sum or something, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Add some square peg. I think he's. Peg. I think he actually is working with Jean Marie right now, or had worked with him. as catering. Catering, yeah. I think he was. I think he's the exec of Lacroix Catering. I don't know. Brulee. Yeah. Oh, but I, I, one of the things that I, I've always loved about you guys together was to watch you guys work is it's almost a class in respect and, 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 and almost an admiration. Because, I mean, I think that to watch you guys work, whether it be doing a dinner or if you guys are doing something like, you know, we've done a couple of events here and there, but you guys just work so well together. Like it's, it's, it's nice to see. I mean, I remember like the last event, I think we did one of those things at, uh, at whatever at Ferguson or something like that yeah. last year. Yeah. And even Sam, my assistant, like we were talking afterwards, I was like, they're fucking awesome. Look <laughs> at the two of them work together. That's you know, cool. like you guys just have so much fun and there's so much passion and there's no, there is no stepping on each other's toes. Oh, the way that I saw it. That's so, so cool to hear. Yeah. We, I mean, we, tr- we try and it's, it's, you know, it, it does. It comes down to respect. So thank you for saying that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I mean, I think it's. I just. I think it's great because I think that there's. You know, I mean, look, I'm. I'm a little bit older than you guys. I don't know. I don't. I'm. I'm older. I don't know how old. I, how old you guys are, but I'm 48, so I'm a little older than you guys in in some of that stuff. But I think we kind of. I mean, especially, you know, Billy, with you coming up in that same world that I did. You know, in that four seasons, that Jean-Marie Lacroix genre, and then Jen, you ending up with Repair. Yeah. For a while. I mean, you really saw that club. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I saw the I saw the turn is what I saw more than anything else. Like I had stuff thrown at me, too. I, I, we had like a grilled lettuce on the salad, the grilled Caesar salad, which is delicious. And Huge we had a fan still. Yeah. Made it a la minute for lunch because we weren't as busy as um, for certain days. We make it a la minute when it wasn't so busy. Right. And I dropped it. I was like first time on the line for the hotline. And I dropped it on the floor a couple of times. I have never been, I, I almost, I lost my footing from my chef. And so these heavy clogs are coming out of my calf. Oh, so I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like, Oh my God, what happened? He's like, it's like beating a dog at that point. I'm like, that's first of all, I learned my lesson. Let's just get that out there. Yeah. It have been the most appropriate thing to do from their side of things, but that's what they were taught. They were taught to throw stuff. Sure. And, and like to, to, to be on the side of the turn is hard because you're like trained this way, but you're trying to keep up with like the, the new status, the status quo of things. And I'm like, not that I want to be on the right side of, uh, I want to be on the right side of history, but I also just want to be fair. That's honestly, I just want to be fair. Yeah. And 
that's what it ended up becoming. And, um, that's where like, we, that's how we feel as a whole, like Jen and myself, she wants to be fair. You're a guy, you're a girl, you're in the kitchen, you're a cook. So it's one thing that we, uh, emphasis on at our restaurant a lot. Like it's not you, it's not you, her, him, it's us. Do, yeah. do not go beyond that, please. You're going to hurt, you're going to hurt yourself mentally. <laughs> now, uh, now Jen, so you had, I mean, you have had some fun media success with a bunch of cool shit over the last bunch of years. Um, I mean, talk, talk to me about that a little bit. So I been on, I've been on top chef multiple times. Uh, if you guys don't know, I've been on season six, Las Vegas, where I was a finalist. I went back for season eight, which was their first all-star season. And, um, then right now I'm on season 17, which is another top chef all-star season right now. And with doing that, it, you know, number one, I love competing. I love the whole spirit of competition, but after going on the first time, it opened up the door for me to do so many other things, to do other shows, but to do so many different like charity events and to be able to travel and to give back and to do, you know, podcasts like these with you and just be out there a lot more. Um, and it's been, it's been a lot of fun and I didn't get into the industry at all to do any cooking on TV or anything like that. And when, you know, chef repair was a guest judge on top chef. And that's how like I got looped into the whole thing. And he's like, Oh, Jennifer, huh? You're going to apply for top chef because once they, they ask you for recommendations to give about chefs and I told him no, and you don't tell chef repair. No. <laughs> right. Um, and you know, I still had to go through the whole auditioning process and all of that. And I was just like, I was like terrified of it because I didn't want to go on the show and, uh, you know, risk my reputation. I was really happy where I was in my career working with Eric for so long already. I wasn't really planning on going anywhere or doing anything because I was, you know, enjoying my life and, you know, my position already in the, in the, in the community. Right. So when, when I got the call to go on to top chef that they told me that I had made it on and it was like two days after their cutoff date. And I'm like, Oh good. Like I like had a celebration. I'm like, I didn't get, I didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. And like, I was so happy and I was so relieved. And then they called me in the middle of like a Friday night service at like seven 30. And like, we had phones, like I had a phone, like in the kitchen next to the pass. This is at 10 arts at the Ritz Carlton, um, Eric's restaurant there that I was the chef of. And I pick up the phone and I'm like, hello, like all, like who's calling me at seven 30 at night on a Seriously? Friday. Oh my and God. And they're, they're like, that hey. call that answer to that call could go many, many ways. Oh, uh, yep. oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> like, hey, Jen, we just want to give you the good news. You know, you made it on. I like hung up the phone, just got quiet and walked off the line, walked up into my office and start crying. <laughs> and I like my reservation is this guy, Caesar, who I love was in there. And he's like, what is wrong? And I'm like, they called me and I have to be I have to go on top. Yeah. <laughs> And now, like, I, I look back at that moment as such, like, a crazy turning point because 
because of Chef Prepare, he pushed me to do something that I was uncomfortable with doing and with something that I didn't want to do. And he opened up a door to so many new opportunities for me. And he like went through the whole pros and cons list with me and all of that. So, um, I don't know. I think it's been great ever since, you know, there's, there's haters out there, but there's so many more fans. Was that service the worst service ever? Like you came down. I didn't go back. I didn't go back. I didn't go, I didn't go back to service. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm a star. I'm a star boys and girls. (laughs) <laughs> I was just like I didn't know what to do I didn't know what to do and I couldn't like I was like oh my gosh it's not happening because they're also like and you're leaving in one week oh my god <laughs> you know they don't they don't give you much time to process or like think about anything <laughs> but I mean how does that so how did that work for you at that point in the position that you were mm-hmm. you know I mean look we all know what this industry is like I mean you know it's not like we just have people we don't have temps. We don't have substitute cooks. Oh, right. We don't have substitute chefs that I'm like, oh, cool. Timmy's calling out today. Or in, in this case, hey, Jen, the executive chef of the restaurant's rolling for a little while. Can you guys step in? Right. I mean, how does that work on on, on for with you at that level yeah, for what so you're about to do? Because how long were you gone? Six weeks. Yeah. And, yeah, it's, and it's six weeks with zero communication. Like they, they take your phone. They take your computer. They don't, you know, there's nothing, no recipes, no books. Uh, it's, 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 uh, you basically go into top chef prison because right. you, you don't go anywhere by yourself. You're always with a producer and other chefs. Uh, and for me at that point, because I was, you know, at the Ritz Carlton and working with uh, chef repair and his whole team from Le Bernardin, I was lucky enough that I had the support of, okay, Jen, you're going to go away for six weeks. I'm sending, I'm sending one of the sous chefs from Le Bernardin down to come in and wow. you know, take your place. And then the Ritz also got in with, uh, if you work for like the, the Ritz Carlton or the Marriott, they send chefs like to work or like anybody in any department to like when they're opening new restaurants, I forget what it's called. It's like task support or something like that. But they also sent in a chef from a not as busy, you know, Restaurant that they sometimes they take them from like uh, vacation areas that are not busy, and so they sent also another chef there. So there was like two two extra people to take my place to keep the show running. Um, But I was lucky in that sense. Uh, You know, most chefs aren't like a lot of people. There, if they have their own like independent restaurant, it's like okay, who's going to do it? Everybody's going to step up and and take over. And, you know, Billy, Billy experienced it when Jason Chikonsky went on to top chef, Billy was his like a sous chef or CDC or something like that. And, and, you know, when Jason left, Billy basically just had to like step up and fill the role and you really have to let go and forget about basically what's going on at your restaurant. Because if you start thinking about it, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. (laughs) So you have to really, that was really hard to just be able to let go and to really trust. It was, it was a good, it was a good learning piece for me to be able to just, Hey, you have to trust your team. You have to delegate all of these things, which are part of being a leader. So it, it helped me become a better chef in many ways. Right. And to release that, that, that the control Mm -hmm. in that way is a huge thing. 
I mean, I, you know, I mean, I travel a lot, man. I mean, I'm a hundred thousand miles in the air and to be able to walk out of that setting that first time for me when I really started to travel and I, and I owned another restaurant yeah. was a big deal. Like, and I, I remember I'm like, okay, here's my phone number. This is, you know, you guys have this. Now we're going to do everything through Trello and then you're going to tell me what you want and I'm going to make sure that it's there. And finally I was like, fuck, like I trust you. We're good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at some point you have to. Yeah, you do. Cause if you yeah. don't embrace the mistakes, you'll never learn. Yeah. Given that's them a mistake. Given the mistake. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so what was, what was that? I mean, talk to me about Top Chef. I mean, look, I don't want to keep going back to that. I, I, I don't. Here's the weirdest part about me, Jen, is I don't have TV. Really? So I've seen I one mean, episode of Top Chef. Like the, we, I'm like all the bar rescues. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, look, I don't have, I have a TV. I'm not going to lie. Like every, yeah. every man's got to play Xbox at some point. But, <laughs> but I don't watch, like I'll watch Netflix and I'm cool with that. But I've, I've seen one episode of Top Chef. Okay. So it's. And I know what it is. Don't get me wrong. I know what yeah. it is, but I think from that backside of it, and I know production and I get all the angles of it, yeah. but, but what is it, what was it like for you? I, I mean, in the midst of all of that. Uh, for me, I, I, I like competition. I like going on because of, I like really like pushing myself and challenging myself. Right. Um, it's totally crazy and unrealistic with their timeframes and honestly not knowing what you're walking into the next day or what your, you know, the challenge is going to be, what you're going to have to cook with, uh, kitchen, like equipment wise, kitchen wise, product wise. Um, you know, you, I like could size up like my competition pretty quickly just from watching how people were working in the kitchen because I, you know, that's what we do. As chefs, you, you can pretty much scout out like who's the best and who's good at what pretty, pretty quickly. So, you know, I, I also wasn't really concerned with what other people were doing because I was just really focused on what I was doing and trying to forget about the cameras being there and just like fall into competing. It's, it's totally, it's like a whole nother world. You like, because you can't talk to anybody and except for like the other chefs and it's just, it's, it's Two weird. Still on. Yeah. It's, it's weird. And it's also in a competition setting. You're talking to somebody uh, almost on a superficial level in a way. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because you like, know, I mean, are you gaining great friends from the show? I mean, did you gain great friends from the show? Yeah. I mean, it is a complete like bonding experience. It's kind of, it's kind of like boot camp. And I mean, like, I've heard of the, I've heard of the, you know, the, I mean, I, I've talked to other chefs that have been on top chef. Don't get me wrong, Yeah. but I know that, 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 that bonding level that you guys have, especially as you move further and further along gets mm -hmm. tighter. Yeah. Because you're going through, I mean, it's, it's pretty traumatic in, in many senses that it, that it, you know, it stresses you out. It, you get judged on the craziest things. You get judged on, you know, food that you know is not the absolute best that it could be. Right. Because you have to put up something in an unrealistic time and you have to put it up no matter if you're 100% happy with it or not. Like, yeah, you can not put a certain ingredient on if you burned it or if it didn't work out, but you still 
there's no time of like going back and tweaking and doing something different because you're out of time. And so when you go through that and you look around, you just realize that, you know, 10 other chefs just went through this crazy thing with you and you're, it's so much of a mind game besides a physical game and besides a cooking competition. Like it's, it's all of them all in one because the producers have their, you know, their storyline that they want to. Sure. That they they want to find out. It's, it's, it's a TV show still at the end of the day and they need to make it exciting and they need to make all of our, you know, projection throughout the whole season you know, make sense and go into a flow. So when they're asking you questions about like the other chefs and they're asking you like what you did and, you know, everybody's, we all have like the nerves, but then you like, you get like, you can get annoyed with people because you're living in a house with, you know, That's when you're 16 other people in a bunk bed. That you are know? chefs. Yeah, uh, that are chefs and we we own our own restaurants. <laughs> you know, there's people that like many like we've all gotten like many accolades, like accolades, you know, James Beard Award winners, Michelin star like chefs. Right. That we, like, on a bunk bed. You know, and we're <laughs> in a bunk bed. We're not sleeping. We're not talking to our family. We're not, you know, having to work. And so there's nothing else to talk about except for to learn about each other. And so you're right. thrown into this situation um, which is, which is pretty cool because you learn about somebody really quickly because it's also, you know, your true colors kind of come out because you just, your emotions are just like, it goes from like scared and nervous to like the adrenaline pump of like the competition and like, what the hell am I making? And then like the excitement of, holy shit, I just got that done in 15 minutes and right. now I, now I won $10,000, but cool. That's all done and over with. And we're going into the next, the next competition. And it's like total roller coaster. So the bonding is there. And like, I see, like, even if I don't know the chef and I'm like, Oh, they were on top chef. Okay, cool. Part of the family. And I'm well, like, oh, like automatic friend to me. And I knew there was, you know, I mean, I've always heard about that kind of that after community mm -hmm. that you guys have that is really kind of a tight knit thing. I mean, I know, you know, I, I have a couple of friends of mine who've done like hell's kitchen and stuff like that. Yep. And they talk about it all the time. I mean, they do these, you know, they, they're doing hell's kitchen dinners and cause it's almost like they kind of, and, and I, I don't want to offend anybody, but it's almost like they own you for a period of time mm -hmm. afterwards. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, as with all of us, I mean, I have a show on Food Network and they fucking own me. And, I, and yeah. look, I love them. Thanks, Food Network. You guys are awesome for putting my show back out. But at the same time, you guys have owned me for a period of time. Right. I mean, and when I went back this year for the uh, for like the all star season, I I also looked at it in a different way of like, OK, how do I take this situation and how do I how do I market myself like more on it? Like, how do I get out of top chef what they've been getting out of me like over the past couple years how do i make it like push it to like the best of uh, like my advantage um and you know that's one of the things that we all talked about when we were there like going back on like okay what are we going to do after we're done filming are we all going to like set up dinners together are we going to do this how can we all help each other to you know benefit all of us besides just like um, the show benefiting, like let's, let's do it together. So, right. 
You know. Now, did you were were the people that are on this season with you? Did you know them from before? Have you worked with them, or have you just seen them through, you know, other episodes? So on this season, Brian Voltaggio and Kevin Gillespie were on my original season of season six, where we cool. the the three of us all went to the very end. Um, so we were there from start to finish with each other, and so I knew them and have been close with them. I mean. So that was 10 years ago that we were on. Right, and then right. I know I knew pretty much half of the half of the cast and the other the other chefs. I just I got to know. And, you know, we all fell. We fought, all fell into like friendship pretty quickly. How's my boy Brian Malarkey doing? Oh, my God. He's awesome. <laughs> he is so, he's so funny, man. Oh, my God. That, do you watch his videos and stuff that yeah. he does on Instagram? Yeah. Yeah, I can't, oh. I can't not watch him. He is uh, he has the most energy I have ever seen. Literally like for I, his age. I lived I lived with yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. He was he's the first he was the first person up like I'm like, "All right, I'm from the East Coast. We're filming in LA. I'm still like getting up pretty early. So I'd be like waking up at like 5 o'clock because it's 8 o'clock like East Coast time and and I'm like and that's if we weren't like already like pushed out the door to do something, you know, malarkey would already have been, Sh- you know, charging an, his phones an, an hour, like oh my God, yeah. mill, swam in the pool already <laughs> and like made breakfast for the whole house. And is like, how you doing, Jen? What are you up to? So funny. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, I just need coffee. I just need coffee right now. <laughs> but he's. He's so entertaining. He's just, he's genuinely nice. And, uh, I, I mean, he's TV gold. <laughs> oh my God. He, he's, you know, I, we do a lot of stuff together with, I, I have, uh, I have clients that are GE general electric. So I do, I, I, I mean, 20 live demonstrations for them a year oh, yeah. on different things. And he and I do these conventions together where we go and, and I, his, I, I, I like, I'm, I'm in awe of his demos yeah, and how he moves and the way that he, he interacts with the audience and, and Brian Malarkey, you better fucking be listening. Cause you're next on the show, dude. I'm just letting <laughs> you know, I keep reaching out to him and he's like, yeah, yeah, let me know. Let me know. Let me know. And we just keep kind of going back and forth on it. But, uh, but I, I think I'm going to get him on for next week. So, um, but, uh, and then Billy, I mean, how is that, you know, I mean, that's, that's gotta be awesome for you. I mean, it gives you on a couple different levels. I mean, one, it kind of gives you, uh, you know, I mean, a little bit of a break. I know that sounds kind of weird, but not a lot of people, you know, are in a relationship and work together at the same time. Yeah. yeah. And then look, and, and I mean, I'm sure you miss Jen and, and all of that at the same time, but there's something about a little bit of a break, you know I mean? That absence makes the heart grow fonder goes oh, pretty cool. far. Oh, it's true. I think it's more of a break for Jen because I am very energetic. <laughs> and, I had a uh, feeling that was going to go that direction. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I mean, it's a break for both of us. Uh, I, like we have, like we live in a small, this small space. Over time, you have to give yourself like a hobby or something to do on your own, sure. so that when you're apart, you can kind of get back together and like say, "How was your day? What'd you do?" Kind of thing. Uh, right. It needs to happen. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, man. It's it's normal like like for example, I had a I had a skateboard, a, a electric bring, skateboard. I was just going to bring this up. And the company tanked. They they went bankrupt. And I sent my board it's in Mountain View, California where the company is. It's called Boosted Board. And this thing is like my favorite toy to play around with. It takes me everywhere I need to go. 
I don't buy any more gas because mm-hmm. it's like the last mile situation. I can go within eight miles radius wherever I want back and forth. God. And that's Philly right there. It's, yeah. it's Philly right there. If it works well in Philly, we live in DC right now and it works really good here because it's so flat and, um, it's clean. There's no, no like potholes anyway. Right. Uh, it's just, it lets me get away. So jet, jet, like to go on that journey, but they, cause they went bankrupt. I don't have that toy anymore. He's, yeah, he, it broke, and so he sent it back for repair. And when he sent it Yo. back for repair, the comp- that's when the company went bankrupt. And so now he doesn't have his skateboard, which I'd be like, I'd be like, Billy, like, right, you, you got to get out. She's like, like, we need to buy you a skateboard right now. <laughs> so, so his birthday's coming up, and I'm like, the other day it was just like so much we were doing videos and talking and I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like, you, you need to get out of this house. I'm like, can you please buy, I'm like, buy the skateboard now. I don't care how much it costs. <laughs> like, I need you to get out of the house and leave me alone. <laughs> I need quiet for like at least 15 minutes. I mean, it's one thing that's, that's kind of so, crazy yeah. about this time is like a lot of people are together more than they usually are. So it's, yeah. it tests you. Now, now where, where are you guys right now with, with everything that's going on? Our restaurants closed. Um, all of our employees, none of our employees are working at the restaurant. Um, our business for our catering has completely seized and stopped. We're trying to figure out different avenues to, you know, monetize and capitalize, but it's challenging. Very, very challenging. Yeah. I mean, we've been, I've been talking to a lot of, uh, like corporations, like I've been reaching out to them and like going through my different like networking channels and going through a lot of like the party planners that do bigger things and have been talking to them and brainstorming on how we can do events through Zoom. Uh, How can I do uh, like, how can we do like cooking classes and stuff like that? So we've been fully like rolling with those type of things and uh, doing more of them. So we're just trying to figure out what the hell the future is going to look like. And, you know, when we reopen Spice Finch, how many guests are we going to be allowed to have in there? Like I, I read one thing that it was like, you can have 10 people in every like 500 square feet, square foot of space. And so I'm like, right. Is that, is that 10 guests or is that 10 people, including like my GM and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. server. Sure. Like I, I don't, there's just so many uncertainties and you can't social distance in the kitchen. No, nope. you know, like you're on a line, you're in a tight space. You have to, you're working side by side with people and you know, I, I don't know. It's really good. Well, how are you, but also how are you eating with a mask on? Exactly. I mean, how is your server serving the food to you? You know, and and I've seen a couple of different, um, a couple different kind of scenarios with things where everybody's going to have to use single serve cutlery and, Mm -hmm. you know, the plates. I mean, what's going to happen with the plates? The plate's dirty. It goes and sits in a bus tub. It ends up going into the kitchen. What is the sanitation process? A lot of people don't realize we are unbelievably clean. Correct. Yeah. You know, I mean, we, we've practiced a lot of this stuff. It's just a simple art of hand washing. Right. For like so many years. And all of us already in the industry, but now, you know, like to make people see that we've already been doing it and that we already are really safe, but then just like amplifying it and, you know, to make sure everybody's safe. Like, yeah, I've read that you have to, if you're not doing single serving, you have to put all your silverware in like a covered like package. Okay. Well, what does that package look like? Where do I get it from? And if we're doing exactly. single serving with stuff, and how much is it going to cost? 
how much is it going to cost? How much waste is oh, that? Oh, the waste is huge. Like, yeah. I mean, I have, I do, I've got a barbecue spot. Look, most of my stuff is to go. I'm, you know, I mean, it's for us, we've seen a great increase, which is one of the reasons why we're doing as much of some of the, the extra stuff like feeding hospitals. And by the way, I don't know if you guys know, but any laid off hospitality workers. So if you guys know anybody in Philly who's been laid off or anybody anywhere, they eat for free at the restaurant. Oh, wow. So they literally walk in the front door and I have post-it notes that say staff meal on it. All they got to do is grab one and they eat for free. That's really like, nice. We're, so if you guys know anybody, please let them know because it's gotten to a point that people are paying it forward. So okay. like you can order a staff meal online right now and for 10 bucks you feed three people. That's really awesome. Oh, so it's like, so please tell everybody I'm trying to get that out there. It's really important to me because yeah. look, you guys are, this is our, this is, this is our industry. Yep. Correct. Yep. Like this is what has gotten us to the point of one, us communicating with each other two, yeah. you guys being together three, the creative outlet that we all have that kind of feeds and pays the bills. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, send us a link or, and so we can shoot it out like on all of our outlets. Yeah. We'll send you something and we, I've got stuff. I'll, I'll tag you guys in a couple of the posts that, that we've put up about it, but just tell everybody, I don't even give a fuck who it is. Tell yeah. everybody because you know, it, and the funny part about it is I have people that will call the restaurant because we say, just call us first because right. you can't put an order online because you have to pay for it. Right. right you know, yeah. so, so call me ahead of time. Tell me, we'll have the food ready for you. But it's so funny to hear how humble people are. You know, yeah. I had a guy call the other day and he said, hey, I, I, I got laid off and I heard you're giving meals away. And I'm like, yeah, how many do you want? And he's like, well, it's me and my girlfriend and my parents. And I'm like, so you need four? Is four enough? Like, are, and the guy's like, are you fucking kidding me? Wow. Like, they're yeah. still so humble. They just can't believe that there's something that's just free. And especially in this industry that gives so much. Yep. We're very kind of cautious about something that's being given to us. Agree. Oh, yeah, always. Agree. So. I mean. I, for me, it was, it was actually like, you know, I've, I've done so much charity work over the years and just, I, I love doing it. It makes me feel good. But it's then awesome. for me to actually ask for like charity for my staff was something like I, you know, I set up a go, a GoFundMe page and everything like that. And that was a little hard for me to reach out to the community who I know, like our, not only our industry is hurting, but I know others are hurting. I'm like, how do I ask for help? right now amongst everyone else asking for help too and is is that fair for me to do or and so i struggled with it for a few days but then i was like you know what like it's it's really important and if anyone can give you know a quarter that's awesome right um you know yeah we're not take much from people So what are they saying in D.C.? What are they? I mean, because, you know, like, I mean, Ohio, they're opening up, I believe, this weekend. Yeah. So the latest in D.C., I actually just watched uh, Mayor Browser this morning. We are we're looking at reopening, but we are not doing that until we have like a, de- a decline in cases for 14 days. And the decline has not even started. We all of the covid cases continually climb every single day, even though we have uh, been shut down. The shutdown came in D.C., I would say a week after Philadelphia. So it, it didn't shut down right away. And I know 
you know, and they weren't all together. Like Virginia and Maryland and D.C. didn't do it together. So when they shut down D.C., people were going over, like right over the bridge to Arlington and hanging out in bars and like going to restaurants. It's so I don't know what's going to happen. I know they're trying to work with Virginia and, um, and Maryland to figure out the reopening. But right now there's no there's no plan to reopen anything yet because yeah, our cases and, are going up. So. And Maryland's in a really bad spot too. They had yeah. a lot of cases. There's uh, there's a documentary. It's more of an inform. It's more of an informational show as opposed as opposed to a documentary. But on Corona, where it came from, and and how kind of where we've made mistakes, mm-hmm. and the way that we can actually move forward. And it's on Netflix. I don't know the name of it. I apologize. I watched it at like two thirty in the morning last night. It just came out because I yes. saw, and I almost put it on. It, it's it's very informative. I mean, look, it's it's a very direct scientific way to take a look at what's going on and what they're saying moving forward. So yeah. watch it. Yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. watch it. Netflix, Netflix and chill tonight, Jen. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. I don't have the chill part down yet, so because. <laughs> I mean, I mean, look, like I said, we're barbecue, so we've just not, we're nonstop. Yeah, you have to be so busy right now. I mean, I'll take, I some, mean, bar- I'll take some barbecue down here, Brian. Yeah. Well, I will, uh, I'll, I'm, I actually started uh, vac sealing ribs as I pulled them out of the smoker yesterday. Wow, yeah. Because I'm just, I'm like, I've got to send these out to some of my friends. So I'll send some, I'll send some ribs and pulled pork down to you guys. You can have a little barbecue. Sweet. Oh, so. But nice. I mean, I. <laughs> I think one of the cool things is the way that we're all really well, first off, this is going to sound really weird, but it kind of couldn't have happened to a better industry because we're hustlers. Yeah. 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 We're all trying to figure out ways to not only and here's the difference between us and other industries. Not only are we trying to take care of ourselves, but we're trying to make sure that everybody else around us is covered as well. Correct. Yeah. yeah. I mean, which is just fucking awesome. We're out there feeding the frontline workers. We're out there, you know, making sure all of our teams are taken care of and doing as much as we possibly can. And, yeah. you know, it's hospitality. Yeah, it's, we're, we're, we're never like thinking about ourselves. We're thinking like, about the guest experience. We're thinking about our team. You know, if they're going to, if they're able to keep up, like, we're going to make sure everyone's good. Everyone's like solid. Yeah. And I think that's the kind of biggest part is a plate, like a place like, you know, a place like you guys, look, a place like La Croix, a place like, you know, La Bernadette stuff like that. How are they coming back? How are you coming back? You guys are a little bit different. You know, I, I mean, obviously, I just threw in La Croix and, and La Bernadette, but those are two places that you guys have been and, and worked in, in close proximity to. Yeah. You're a little bit different because you guys can adapt and change pretty quickly on whatever it is that you're going to do. Right. But how is it that these places that have actually seen a decline in the last bunch of years, because that fine dining experience is declining? Look, we all know it. The gastropub, the quick serve, the, uh, you know, the fast casual, it's taking over what it is that we've all done. And we've seen this this unbelievable utilization of knowledge into product that has gotten away from the white tablecloth and put it on top of, you know, the wood and granite table, Mm -hmm. they've adapted. But uh, what do you guys think? Are they coming back? I think, well, we've kind of been seeing this change a little bit prior to this happening. It's like that kind of cooking 
is still like out there. It's still like wanted out there. Um, it's more like the experiential kind of uh, way, though. It's I don't think it's going to have appeal to all of the masses. Like, I mean, so from just from from experience and you know, still staying in contact with Chef Repair, and I know you know the fine dining and the white tablecloth. I know Le Bernardin itself. Even with people moving away from fine dining, Le Bernardin really hasn't seen any loss in business. They're still busy every single day and every, you know, they've expanded into a, like a catering venue across, yeah. across the street from them. So wow. and they, their whole team where they're doing all of their private events from, which they used to do on the second floor of La Bernadette. Um, but I know, like I, I, I've spoken with Eric just recently and he's like, you know, we're, we're a big, we're a big business. He's like, and it's, and it's going to be very hard for us to come back. And even though he is extremely successful and extremely busy, there's a different challenge for him. There's a different challenge for all of us that we're facing on how do we restaff? How do we retrain? Right? Like LeBernadette is so perfect and so precise with everything and to be shut down for so long now to like get back and do you do a train? Do you do? I mean, we're all talking about it. Do we do a training with new staff? Oh, and, and how much is that going to cost you? Yeah, right? yeah. That's the other right. level of it. Training is pricey. Money. I mean, you, we don't have the money to also buy I, I mean, all those ingredients and restock exactly. them. Exactly. You, you know, you guys know what what it was like to open your restaurant and how much it cost you to open your restaurant, yeah. and you now have to do that again. Yeah. It's like it's going into a turnkey restaurant and opening a new restaurant again. Yes, exactly. And you, because you, I mean, how much of your staff is coming back? Exactly. How, how many, many of your staff? Go ahead. How many of my staff are students or have moved home to live with, uh, with family, moved exactly. into the family to either help themselves or to help their family out? And, you know, our industry depends on a lot of students, all the colleges that have shut down. Think about servers they're all, and they're all gone. Servers you know? and like, you know, back, uh, and support those, those rules still apply to them too. Like mostly, most of them are students too. Um, but even right now hiring back, if we do open in, if we're allowed to open in mid May in June, unemployment is still going on. Right. And 20%. right. And the unemployment, my team is getting paid more with unemployment with the $600 increase each week. How can they, how, how can they come back if, you know, if they're unsure, number one, is it going to happen again? <laughs> it, right. Are we going to come down again? Am I going to come back? And because the restaurant is only letting in 50 people at a time, that's. It changes your business you know, model completely. A quarter of what completely. I'm going to make anyway. So why yeah. would I come back? So it's this, I don't know. There's so many. But I also, I think it changes the mindset of. The employee as well. I mean, look, you've got, you know, a couple college kids that are working for you. There's there's no comfort in working in the hospitality industry if what they're saying is this could we could see this again in the fall. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So what's to say that I'm not going to come and work for you guys during the summer? I'm going to you know, we're going to go back to full swing come July or August, which is is, is even a fictitious model based on what they're finding out from China right now, yeah. that it, it could be a mistake if they do. Mm -hmm. I, what are you, I just don't, why are they not, you know, are they gun shy about hopping back into the industry in an industry where 
look, we all know it's kind of a shit industry for the for the worker in some cases. Sure. No benefits, no 401k. We don't have a pension. I'm not mm-hmm. offering you top dollar wages to come into work. Look, if my walk in goes down, I'm fucked. Yeah. 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 You know. <laughs> And it's not a cush job either. It's not like no. you come in and like hide at your desk and act like you did work. Like you're exactly. grinding and moving. So and like, true. It's like, oh, fuck. It's like, so I true. I don't feel like working today. I'm just going to like act like I'm working on my computer. <laughs> that doesn't happen. There's nowhere to hide. No, there's not. You can go out back and smoke a cigarette, but somebody knows that you're gone when you call them for the food. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh. It's so true. They do. They never stop working. I mean, it's, you know, even in my kitchen, I've got a young crew of guys in my kitchen and I'm training, you know, I've got a 15, look, I have a 15 year, I'm not going to say it because I'm I'm not going to break the law over air, but I I mean, I've got a young crew and, you know, some of these kids are working their balls off and they don't stop. Like one of my kids came to me the other day and he's like, Hey chef, can I go outside and take a break? And I'm like a break. What the fuck do you mean a break? And I was like, uh, yeah, it'll take a half hour. All right. Go sit down. You just worked your ass off. Yeah. Yeah. Eat, eat something for the first time today because you've been working for us. Man, for- he's a boy. All this kid does is fucking eat. <laughs> All he does. Hey, chef, what are you making over there? I'm like, oh, I just finished up these uh, short ribs. You want to try one? He's like, uh, yeah. Ten minutes later, chef, can I get some fries? Hey, chef, any chance I can try that chicken? What do those ribs taste like? I've never had the pulled pork sandwich before. I'm like, you just had seven meals in two and a half hours, dude. <laughs> Uh, but you know, but I mean, again, I think that I, I really do hope that, that, uh, you know, on, and it's a scary thing to say on two levels on the industry level. I hope that the, that the employees come back saying, okay, this is what we need to talk about. Mm-hmm. But at yep. the same time, as an owner operator, there's a lot of questions there. You know, I mean, we know what the profit margin is for what it is that we're doing. Yeah. And it's only growing because now we have technology that we've got to pull in. And, you know, I mean, did your, you know, not, I mean, just to go into a different world, but imagine if you've got to now have, if they say, okay, the only way that you can do this is working off of iPads. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now I've got to buy 25 iPads Mm -hmm. to put in front of my restaurant. Well, you know, I mean, I only did a million dollars in sales. I don't have that kind of revenue. So it's also brought in a lot of eyes from investors who weren't fully educated about the very slim profit margins that restaurants actually have. So I think it's going to be even harder for new and young chefs to get investors to come in and to actually put their own money in. Yeah, it's going to be a larger risk. Why the hell am I going to go into the restaurant business after everything we have just seen? Like, sorry. It's really sad. So like, that's what I've been thinking about. I'm like, oh, all of these investors are just going to be like, no way am I investing in a restaurant? It was already hard enough. (laughs) Well, and I think we've got, I mean, there's something that I, I, I kind of touched on when you and I had, when we had first gotten on the phone, but I mean, I just, you know, I just pulled it up again because I wanted to make sure that I was saying it, I was reading it properly. Um, Tyson foods chairman warns that the food supply is breaking. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The food supply chain is fully breaking. I mean, like he just closed in recent weeks. The poultry producer has temporarily suspended operations at plants across the country. Mm-hmm. Food supply chain is breaking. Sean Tyson wrote in a full page adverti- uh, advertisement published Sunday in the New York Times, the Washington Post and the Arkansas. Why the hell? He went from he went the New York Times, the Washington Post and the Arkansas Democrat. 
there will be limited supply of our products available in grocery stores, and we are able, and we are un, uh, and we're, uh, we're able, until we are able to open our reopen our facilities. I mean, we're seeing right now. I mean, look, you know, Smithfield closed down their the number one pork producing plant in the country. Yep. I you know, I mean, that's good. Yeah. And the other thing is right now, I mean, all of the purveyors that that I'm dealing with, you know, that the fresh product is gone because if you think about what happened and the time frame of when it happened, you know, for the app, for the most of the restaurants across the country, we're coming out of the doldrums. We've walked out of January, you know, December, January, February. Mm-hmm. which are typically the slowest time. So then what happens is we walk into that March time frame, which is, you know, if you go into the sports world, it's March madness. If you go into the bar and nightclub world, it's St. Patrick's day. Then mm-hmm. we're walking into mother's day, father's day, Easter, you know, all of these additional holidays that we count on for that money. But these purveyors have purchased all of that food leading up to that. That's now sitting in a freezer. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, I spoke with Cisco, uh, one of my reps from Cisco, and he was like, Jen, it's it's crazy, you know, just because of losing all of the accounts of like the restaurants and the schools too, there's just so much like expiration of stuff that they, have, they, they, they gave so much away, but then they couldn't even, they couldn't continue, this was in the beginning, they couldn't give it all away because Their the house. food pantries didn't have anywhere to store all of it. And yeah. so it, it's just like, and their hassle plan is like, is very, very regimented. It's yeah. very strict. So they want to make sure that the health is foremost, like in the forefront, they don't want to hurt anybody. So sometimes they have to throw away things. That's really sad to hear that. That's a thing, but that's, I mean, that's but what they have see, to do by you law. Hear like, you hear the, the dairy farmers exactly. that are just dumping, dumping exactly. milk. Gallons it's the same thing. Gallons of milk because nobody is, the schools aren't buying it. The nope. restaurants aren't buying it. Uh, there's only so much that you're getting in like the grocery stores and, you know, to keep up with production, the workers aren't there. It's well, they were saying that the farmers are like one of the biggest things is the farmers because now they're not like, what are they, you know, we're, we just got out of a planting season. Yep. Yep. So, you know, and luckily in some cases, luckily, you know, I think it happened so that that maybe they weren't planting as much during that first round of March. Uh-huh. But what are we projecting for next year without having any form of timeline, any true guidance as to what it is that we're trying to do? Am I planting, you know, am I going to plant 100,000 acres of corn or am I only going to plant 50? Right. Yeah. I mean, like they have, they've had to change their models completely too. Like a lot of farms in, around Philly and like purveyors within Philly have changed to, to like push more to like direct consumer. And yeah. Oh my God, I know. That's, that's, that's mind blowing because from a farm perspective, like they really had to, you know, change a lot to, to it's take so the, much more work for them. Oh yeah. To kind of, in, for that much space, they probably don't have that much space for a smaller farm. Uh, I'm just thinking about one that I know personally. But like they have to make money somehow. So, yeah. I mean, I went into I go I go to Restaurant Depot because yeah. I, you know, I'm not one. I get I pay more money from my bigger purveyor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now all of my purveyors are COD. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it's like, OK, I'm going to go to Restaurant Depot. I get my all natural ribs there, which is a beautiful product. It's the thing that I buy the most. They, these guys are actually great because they will now hold 10 cases at a shot for me oh, that's great. to pull awesome. yeah. back. But but they've opened up to the public. 
So now I'm walking down an aisle and you guys know what it's like to be uh, going to yeah. a restaurant depot. Oh, You've yeah. got that cart in front of you. You're looking at your phone because that's where your list is. Uh, and yeah. you're walking through. Now I've got grandma and her sister. And forklifts. You know, trying to do. Should we get one case of bread or two? Which one do we need? Like, um, you know. Oh, I didn't know that. That's yes. no, that's, not, that's scary. It's scary for the people like that walking around like with all the equipment, with all the people, had the tight aisles sometimes. I mean, I think about the first time that I went down as a culinary student that I went down to the food distribution center in Philly Uh and I got on that uh, on the walkway over there, you know, where all the all the all the carts are blowing past you and the guys on the on the forklifts are running around the whole. And I'm in like flip flops. I'm a young culinary student and they were just full blown like as if I was a pebble in the middle of the road, just yep. ready to run me over. Oh, yeah. And I look at some of these people that are walking through and I'm doing the same thing. I'm blowing around them. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to get around them as fast as possible so that I can get back to the restaurant and prep because they're buying, you know, 10 pounds of burgers for their family. Right. Not only that, you want to get in line before everyone else clogs say, it oh, up. Oh, fuck, the lines are crazy. Like, oh, no, like the lines yes. at Depot are already bad enough. <laughs> well, now, I, I, I will say that that there are – that the management team – and I'll give the – I'll give full credit to Restaurant Depot for this because, you know, they kind of know who the regulars are. You yeah. know I mean? At this point, look, I went from never going to the Depot maybe once or twice a year to three to four times a week right now because – I just don't know what I'm going to sell on a daily basis. I have no, I have no history to yeah. base this off of. I can't say, okay, last year I did 10 grand this week. Right. Now I'm going, well, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. So I'm buying almost on a daily basis, but the managers will actually walk up and be like, Hey chef, come on over to here. So they'll actually pull you out of a line. And I'm still one of the nice guys who's like, Hey, you only have, you know, you've got five pounds of cheese and a loaf of bread. Just hop in front of me. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. You know, but now the managers are saying, okay, hey, Bri, hop over here. You know, we're going to blow you through this line a lot faster. So they're really doing their part. I mean, I'm not going to lie. They stopped everybody the other day. Everybody had to have a mask on if you were going in the front door. If you didn't, they were turning you away. Um, you know, there, there's sanitizing solution at the front door. There's cases of gloves at the front door for you to grab. They're, they're really trying to restock as fast as they can, the basics like toilet paper, hand sanitizer, soaps and all that stuff. So they're doing a nice job, but it's weird to be in that space yeah. or to see a chef's warehouse truck at my neighbor's house. Oh yeah. True. Uh-huh. True. So weird. I don't know. I don't know, but all right, guys, we should probably start to wind this down. I think. Yeah. We just talked for an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, to talk to you. I mean, the topic's so big. You kind of. Well, it's huge. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it goes on so many different levels. So, and you know, I mean, and the funny part is normally what I say at the end of all of these when I talk because I, I look, this show has made has gone on this really wild transition. You know, at one point we were like, we're only talking to you know uh, uh, people that have a hundred thousand followers. Like we went through this really weird world, weird world, and in reality. I love talking to chefs. Right. Like that's where we have the convos and that's where the converse, the, the really cool conversations come out of. Um, you know, I mean, I can name right off the bat the two worst episodes that we've ever done. And they were just people that weren't that interesting. But chefs are interesting. And 
you know, so now we have a boatload of fun with it and we've got a good protocol in the way that we do it and it, and it works for us. So, you know, if you guys ever want to hop back on, just let me know if you guys ever have something to promote. But, but what I finish every episode with is, all right, well, what are you guys working on now to kind of try to move forward, which is a very odd conversation to have because what are we really working on now to move forward? Well, other than ourselves, look, I know we're all working yeah. on ourselves, but what are you guys doing moving forward? Well, right now, uh, because we're trying to enter the digital platform a little bit, uh, a little bit more, um, we are starting a YouTube channel okay. to kind of extend our, our catering service slightly to kind of give you that experience, but also teach you how to cook things. Okay. So I want you guys to look into something that's really, really cool. And it's called Mevo, M-E-V-O. Uh-huh. It's a camera that connects directly to like Facebook and YouTube. Yep. So you can upload your videos right away. But the really cool part about it is it's an unbelievable camera. Oh, cool. Awesome. Really? And it's got super high quality. So I did a, a video the other night of me breaking down briskets. Yep. I think it was brisket. I don't even know, but I did it on a Mevo camera and I'll tell you what, the quality is unmatched because it will kind of zoom in on something. If it's, if, if it sees that there's a lot of motion happening oh, yeah. on a cutting board, it can actually do that. But if Jen is on camera and Billy, if you're on the other side, you can actually, you can actually control the camera through your phone. Oh, cool. That's awesome. So you can, so if Jen starts starts cutting an onion, you can actually tap the onion and the camera will then zoom directly on the onion. That's cool. Now it can also be saved to an SD card or also onto a hard drive so you can edit them later. But the coolest part about it is you can upload it directly to YouTube. That's great. So it's just something to think about. It's called MEVO. I think the camera's maybe 150 bucks, but I love mine. I absolutely love mine. Yeah, I feel like uh, this kind of is opening my mind to how much equipment can cost very, very fast. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. I mean, look, when I first started this podcast, I reached out to as many people as I could to say, what is it that I need? Yeah. And then the funny thing is when I hooked up with Jerry and Jason, they were like, you need a good mic. Yeah. I mean, it's just like the, it's, it's like the food industry. This is how I see it. Like, it's something new. You want to make sure you're part of that community. So it. YouTube community community is different than like the culinary community. It is. Uh, my friends in the digital digital world are like, you guys are wizards with black magic. How do you cook? And so he's like, you really have to, you know, teach people how to do that. I think right now it's really important. And I think that's what we're going to do. When they really want, I mean, look, I, I broke down, I, I broke down chickens the other night. Yeah. They, the, want, they want, want something that they can actually copy. Do. do. Nothing hard. Like, yeah, you can have different levels, but Hey, let's just show you how to make some really simple scrambled eggs. Absolutely. <laughs> so true, man. So true. And you guys are already talking. To, you guys have been together too long. You're finishing sentences, same shots. So it, it kind of is part of our, like our, our little routine. We have <laughs> but it's, it's practice. Like it's just like the kitchen. You practice how to, uh, to, you know, brunoise a shallot. Like it's yeah. the same thing. It all takes practice. If you don't get your, yourself immersed in it, you're not going to get it down. I say it. I, I say it. I mean, look, that's how we started culinary school. We all did the same thing. Yeah. We got in, they handed us a knife. They taught us the seven parts of a knife. They showed us how to break down vegetables by doing the classic cuts that we have to do. And then they said, here's a whole chicken. Now yeah. make chicken soup. You're taking us back to the Ferguson event right now when you were demoing like how to, you're making like stir fry or something, I feel like. And like, 
Something like that. You were you were cutting a vegetable, but it's like he was, cut, he was that, cutting he's cutting an onion and, and a pepper. No. Oh, because I hate I I can't stand the French technique for cutting onions. No offense, but it's yeah. completely inefficient. There's way too much waste that comes with it. We need to back the fuck up, and we need to be realistic about this. Yeah, but like people people need to know about that stuff though. <laughs> All of our tips and tricks that we've learned over the years is something that like that we want to like put out there. So. Well, that's good. Cool. Well, make sure that I know about it because I'd love to whatever I can do on my end. And and, you know, if I can push something out there, please let me know. So awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, Thanks, Brian. No, thank you guys so much. And I'm so glad we finally got on. Like it's been I have a list of of people. I, I use Trello, which, by the way, if you guys don't know what Trello is, it's an awesome communication tool that you can put lists and stuff in and deadlines and everything else. And I use it in all of my businesses, whether it's consulting or speaking or just with my assistant. But you guys have been at the top of my list for guests for probably a year and a half. Oh, wow. And then the other day I went through the list again with Sam and I was like, why, why are they not on here? Somebody. <laughs> and that was when I reached out to you, Jen. And I was like, we got to get you guys on. So yeah, I'm glad like, 100%. Anytime you want to do it again, let's do it. And maybe, maybe we can have a big one with all of us and Malarkey on here too. Oh, that was funny. Malarkey. I think he'll just so talk cool. over all of us though. <laughs> He's so dead. I watched him do a demo in Vegas doing pizzas and he finally just ripped his mic off and he's like, you guys can hear me. I don't need this thing on me anymore. And he just went to town and just banged out cooking pizzas for like five hours. Um, yeah, he's a funny man. He's a good, good man. So, all right, well, uh, guys, do me a favor. Why don't you give us that last round? Tell us who you are, um, and how we can follow you guys and all your good stuff. So, uh, Chef Jen Carroll and Chef Billy Riddle, and we have Spice Finch and Carol Couture Cuisine. Follow us on Instagram at Chef Jen Carroll, Chef Billy Riddle, and our website eatccc.com and spicefinchphilly.com. Go ahead, Billy. Awesome, oh, guys. and YouTube is going to be Cooking with the Carols. Yeah. Ooh. Exactly. So, I like it. Go on and subscribe, please. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for hopping on. I appreciate it and be safe. And uh, um, we got to let's let's like uh, let's go get drunk or something. (laughs) Seriously, it's just craziness. All right, guys, take care. Thanks for hopping on. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks. Cheers. Cheers. All right, boys and girls, Jen Carroll, Billy Riddle. Rock stars in their own. They got that awesome place down there in D.C., um, which is where they are right now. They're rocking and rolling or they're, they're down in D.C. right now. Um, but check out Spice Finch. Uh, I unfortunately have not been yet, but I hear nothing but amazing things about it. And, uh, you know, we all know when this whole thing comes back, when everybody figures out kind of what's going on and what we're supposed to do, we're going to make some pretty good changes. And uh, uh, I'm excited to get down and uh, try out some of their grub. We've done some cool uh, events together in the past. And I've just been a huge fan of Jen's for years from the first time that I met her. Um, and then really that first time that I met Billy, just such a nice, such a nice one duo, but two each individually, just very nice people. And, um, you know, you guys know this show is about that. It's about just kind of communicating with cool people and getting information and, and having a really nice conversation. So, um, I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. Uh, I want to thank Jen. I want to thank Billy. I want to thank those guys, uh, spice Finch Philly. Um, and then, uh, Carol Couture cuisine, um, check them out as much as you can. Jen's coming out. She's got her show on, uh, uh, top chef. So that's pretty,
pretty awesome. And Billy's rocking and rolling in the culinary scene. So check him out. All right. I uh, want to thank everybody that you guys know who I have to thank. We got to get Maggie Gagliardi for every single promo piece that she puts together for this show. I love you. I adore you. And I think that your creativity is unmatched. Michelle Techno Solution does all of the websites that I have. She designs every menu for every property that I open. And I love her and I adore her for that because, again, her creativity is infectious. The conversations that we have lead to new projects. They lead to new thoughts. They lead to new dishes. They lead to new ideas. And that's one of the, the, you know, if you have partners like that with you, then it's a great thing. Um, And then partners, I don't think it gets any better than the boys at RadioInfluence.com. Jerry and Jason, who handle everything that has to do with these podcasts, and I say it once, I've said it 136 times. You guys got to do me a favor. If you have an idea for a podcast, reach out to Jerry and Jason. The worst that's going to happen is they're going to say no. You got 100% shot if you don't ask, boys and girls. And that's how we're going to end this show. 100% shot if you don't ask. Take care, everybody. Didn't get Duffified enough? Follow Chef Brian Duffy on Facebook and on Twitter at Chef B-R-I-D-U-F-F. Look for the blue verified checkmark to get exclusive content and to see what's coming up on next week's show. This has been Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. I'm Jerry Petuck, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com.